Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. We'll get to the recording of this Sunday's message in just a moment, but first I want to ask, are you a listener who does not attend in person on Sundays, but who would be interested in meeting with other St. Paul's listeners in your area for a small group? Right now we have a couple people connected to St. Paul's who live in the New Haven shoreline area who would like to start an in-person small group you know, to meet for fellowship and discussion of the previous week's message. And so if you happen to be from the New Haven shoreline area and you would be interested in that, please email me to let me know. Ryan at stpaulswired.org. That's stpaulswired.org. And if you're not in that area, but you're in another area and you'd be interested in meeting with other listeners there, Email me to let me know what area you're from, and maybe we can put something together. In fact, even if you're not interested in a small group, but you're just a regular listener who doesn't attend in person, we'd love to hear from you just to know that you're out there, because uh, we don't really know how many people listen to this. So if you're willing, we'd love to hear from you. And as always, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Millworks in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. For the next five weeks, each week we are going to be quick to listen to a song. Really listen to it, really give our attention. And then we're going to consider how that song relates to our faith, to scripture, and to the gospel. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, you might remember I confess this actually wasn't my idea. Uh, For the last three or four years, I've listened pretty regularly to a podcast from a church in St. Louis called Word of Life Church. And uh, the pastor there, a guy named Brian Zond, he, uh, he does a Finding God in the Music series every year where... He starts with the song, and then he talks about how our faith relates to that. And every year when I've listened to him do it, I've always thought, oh, that would be so much fun to do that. Um, But I don't want to be like a copycat, you know? So every year I refrain from doing it, and this year I was like, that's it. That would be too much fun. It's not copying if I pick different songs. So that is what I'm doing, picking different songs. And the criteria that I have for the songs that I'm picking is just two things. One... I have to like the song. You don't have to like the song, but I have to like the song. And two, it has to be something that inspires a sermon in me. Okay, so that's the guidelines. If this is not your kind of thing, then please just bear with it for five weeks, then it'll be over. So, but hopefully uh, most of us will enjoy this. And the songs that I've picked, uh, they aren't necessarily by Christian artists. They might be. Uh, They might be real well-known, and they might not be. So each week is a surprise. And the first uh, track that I've chosen is, okay, it's by an artist who goes by the name of Silicone Boone. Silicone Boone. Has anyone heard of him? I wouldn't expect anyone to have heard of him. In fact, His Facebook page, I know a lot of people don't use Facebook anymore, but his Facebook page only has 900-something likes. Less than 1,000 likes, which is a crying shame, uh, I think. I I first heard him because I listened to Spotify, and 
You know how Spotify, like, it learns your listening history, and then it starts suggesting songs to you? Well, one day I was just letting it go, you know, after whatever I was listening to was done. And this song came on called Found You by Silicon Boone. And whatever I was doing, I just stopped and I, I listened to it. And then I hit repeat again and again. And I thought, boy, that algorithm knows me. It got me pegged. I love this song. And, um, and then I started to do some research on Silicon Boone, and I will share more about him after we listen to the song. Um, so I know some of you are watching on live stream. Uh, we cannot play this copyrighted music over the live stream without getting shut down. And so if you're watching on live stream in a moment, there's going to be a link to a YouTube video. And so we're going to mute the audio on the stream in a moment and click on that link so that you can listen to the song. If you're listening to this on podcast later, make sure to listen to the song before you hear the sermon. Um, so look it up, Silicon Boone Found You. This is from his 2019 album, The Reaches. And uh, so if we could hit the lights, Josh, that would be great. And um, let's just give this our full attention, um, relax and take in Found You. All right. I love it. So, um, let's see here. Let me share a little bit about Silicon Boone. His actual name is Sam. And he spent, uh, can we hit the lights, Josh? Thanks. Uh, and he spent the first six years of his life living in an Amish community. Um, you guys are probably familiar with the Amish, right? Uh, in terms of their theology, they're, they're orthodox. They would be able to affirm the Apostles' Creed like we do every week. Um, but there's some things about them, some, some distinctives that make them stand out. Uh, the big one being that they have just decided not to have anything to do with modern technology. And so they still ride horses and buggies and don't use electricity and that sort of thing. And so this is the environment that uh, Sam spent the first six or seven years of his life in. His congregation would definitely not be the kind of congregation to do a quick-to-listen sermon series. In fact, they didn't have any instrumentation at all uh, in their services. The, the music would be led by what was called the caller which was usually, uh, was always a man who typically had a high voice. And he would sing in such a way that he wouldn't just hold out the notes, but he'd kind of make his voice quiver and go in and out. And you may have noticed that Sam sings that way, that he's, his voice kind of shakes and goes in and out. It's a very unique uh, style of singing. And he would tell you that's due to the influence of his, 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 uh, his mind being first shaped for those fix, first six years in the Amish community. Uh, but around six or seven years old, his family was excommunicated uh, from the Amish. And I don't know why, uh, but they were told that they had to leave. And this was right around Christmas time. And so Sam's first experience of the secular world wasn't just electricity, but it was colored lights everywhere, which really stuck with him. It was very striking. And then Sam spent the rest of his youth in eastern Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains. And he developed two interests. 
music, and space. He loved space, the galaxies, the planets, moons. Um, and this 2019 album called The Reaches is a synthesis of those two lifelong interests, space and music. He calls it a space opera of sorts and a love song to humanity. Now, when I first heard that song, Found You, I thought, this guy has got to be sitting, singing about God. Um, I thought, it sounds like a worship song. It almost sounds like something you can put on a Hillsong album, only I think it's a lot better than most of the stuff on a Hillsong album. Um, but I, I did a little bit of digging, and I found out that Sam does identify as a Christian. In, in, in an interview I heard with him, he said, I, I very much believe in God. Um, but Found You actually developed because as he was thinking about, you know, this outer space opera, he thought I should have a song on there about meeting intelligent life from another planet. And so he was imagining himself being the person to first make contact with alien life and found you was the result of that. Now you might say, okay, well then why are we doing this song this morning, right? It's not about God, it's about finding extraterrestrial life. Well, I still want to do it for two reasons. One, I like it a lot, no. Um, one, because even if that's what Silicon Boone had in mind, that doesn't have to be what we have in mind. The nature of art is that it opens itself up to multiple interpretations. So you experience a piece of art, you are moved by it, and then you interpret it, right? You experience, sometimes we think, oh, the way it works is you, you hear it, you, you interpret it, and then you're moved by it. Usually it's the other way around, right? You experience it, then you are moved by it, and then you interpret what has moved you, right? So Silicon Boone might have been thinking about extraterrestrial life. You don't have to think about extraterrestrial life. You can think about God if you want. When I hear those words, I found you, I think of finding God. I think I have found God. I have found God because he has been revealed to me through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That is what rises up in my spirit when I listen to this song. And I think of those words both as describing something that has already happened to me and as something that I'm looking forward to in the future at the same time. The Apostle Paul said, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He's talking about us and God. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. If we know Jesus, then we have found God. We know God. But at the same time, if we're honest, I think God still feels a little out of reach, a little out of our grasp, a little beyond our understanding. And that's appropriate because we don't know fully yet. We do not know God in all of his glory yet. We haven't experienced that. That doesn't happen until death or until Christ returns. But Paul is saying there will one day come a time where we will see God face to face and we will know him with the same uh, depth that he knows us. Whoa, wow. And so we can hear the song and sing those words, I found you, and think both, yeah, that is true, I have found the Lord, but also I'm looking forward to that glorious future. 
the inheritance that the gospel promises us, to see God face to face, to know and be known and fully loved. Now, if it still bothers you at all that we're doing this song, even though Silicon Boone was thinking about extraterrestrial life, think about this. If someone's really desiring to find intelligent life out there, it's not too different from the desire for God, is it? God is the ultimate intelligence out there, right? And what the Bible tells us is that the ultimate intelligence, which it calls the Logos, took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's what the opening chapter of the Gospel of John says, right? In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Try to wrap your head around that. Through the Logos, all things were made that have been made, and the Logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Talking about Jesus, right? So, we long to know that there's some sort of intelligence that exceeds our own out there, and God is the ultimate fulfillment of that desire. And so, even if Silicon Boone had extraterrestrials in mind, you can think, well, maybe he was actually expressing a deep desire that we have to know the ultimate intelligence out there, to find it, right? And what I find so beautiful about this song, something that it's expressing that is deeply true, is that we don't have to be anything special to meet the Logos. We don't, have, we don't have to be anything special to meet God, right? We do not have to be successful by any of the usual standards that humanity has to determine whether or not you are a worthwhile person. And that is expressed in those first two beautifully self-deprecating verses, right? I ain't worth much. My face is far too common. You could stack me up. Still, I'd be forgotten. And I've never found a place among the chosen but I rode the wave that gives the world its motion. I found you. When the music played, I probably wasn't dancing. When the judges judged, you know, I wasn't winning. And when the new year came, I sang without a lover. Oh, but the, when the world stood up, it set me on its shoulders. I found you. The singer says he's not much to look at. He's not winning any contests. He's not lucky in love. When the new year came, he sang without a lover. Sounds like he's a little insecure. When the music's playing, he's not dancing. Maybe he's a little depressed, even. It's kind of a Charlie Brown type, sounds like to me. He says he's never found a place among the chosen. That's an interesting choice of words, right? Chosen has religious connotations. So I hear him saying there, well, I never really felt like I fit in with the religious people. And we know from the story of his life, right, that that is literally true. His family was excommunicated from the Amish. But despite all this, he can say, I found you. Right? Something deeply true is being expressed there. Because when the supreme intelligence took on flesh, he said things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, God is with those that aren't the winners. And when Jesus was questioned, why are you hanging out with 
the losers, the disreputable people. Do you remember what he said? He said it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Right? They may not have found a place among the chosen, but they need my help. And after the Apostle Paul encountered Jesus, his perspective was completely changed. And he started saying things like, it is by grace that we have been saved, and this is not of yourselves. By grace, in other words, it is a gift. It is not by your merit. It is a gift from God. And so the least, the lost, the losers, they can find God too. And I love the lines that end both of those verses. Um, he says that even though he's unimpressive and insignificant, I rode the wave that gives the world its motion. And when the world stood up, it set me on its shoulders. And you know, I don't entirely know what that means, but those lines, I'm just, ooh, those, those hit me. Those are powerful lines, beautiful lines. And those lines... And the chorus, you're why we leave home, we've always roamed, we're not alone. Those parts all bring to mind for me a passage from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 24. The Apostle Paul was on a mission to share about Christ with the Gentiles, in other words, with the non-Jewish people. He was the first one to go out and bring the news about Jesus to non-Jewish people. And he went to a place in Athens called the Areopagus, which was this place where kind of the elite folks would gather and they would debate about political, philosophical, religious ideas. And remember, uh, the Romans, they were very polytheistic, right? They believed in multiple gods. They had lots of temples to these multiple gods. But then Paul stood up in the Areopagus and he gave a sermon and he proclaimed one God as creator, and this is what he said. He said, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. So Paul tells this polytheistic crowd, right? He's saying the only reason that we exist and that we live and, and move is because of this one supreme creator God. He is the existence that makes existence possible, the life that makes life possible. He is, as Aristotle put it, 300 years ago, before this, in Athens, he is the unmoved mover who makes motion possible. In him we live and move and have our being. So all of us, no matter how ordinary or exceptional, Winners or losers are riding the wave that gave the world its motion, and that, that wave was started by God. In him we live and move and have our being, the one Lord of heaven and creator. And this God, Paul says, he is always at work influencing history, right? 
And he says that he's influencing it all with a particular goal in mind. Did you catch what the goal was? So that we might seek him and perhaps reach out and find him. Sounds like the chorus of the song to me, right? You're why we leave home, why we've always roamed, because we're not alone. God guides the course of history so that people might reach out and find him. And we see that in the Bible going all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? When, what did God do? God called Abraham to leave the land that he he knew the land of his fathers in Rome somewhere else because through what God was doing in Abraham, he was going to create a new nation through which he would bless the entire world. So we see that pattern going all the way back to then. There is a restlessness in human beings. We long to learn, to grow. We long to discover the unknown. And Paul is saying that the source of that is ultimately God, the Lord of heaven and earth, our creator. We all ride the the wave that gave the world its motion. And as we do, we wonder, well, what is this? Where did this all come from? Who am I? Why am I? Our existence is filled with mystery. But God is always influencing the world so that, if we want to, we might reach out and find him. He has arranged things such that if we want to know him, we can. If we let it, the world picks us up on its shoulders and shows us the God who loves and created us. And that God cannot be contained by temples built by human hands. As if he needed human beings to build a home for him. As the song says, he is the temple's crumbling. You're the temple's crumbling, the whole earth rumbling. You're not alone. I love that line. And I just think that is such an awesome way to describe Jesus. I don't know if it really works for extraterrestrial life, but for Jesus, it works really well. Do you remember when Jesus had a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well? Remember the the woman asked him about a theological debate of the time. She said, Well, my ancestors say that we're supposed to worship God on Mount Gerizim. Your ancestors say that we're supposed to worship God in Jerusalem. What's the deal? What are we supposed to do? And Jesus said this, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In other words, a time is coming and has now come where your geographical location of worship, it's just not really going to matter. Mount Gerizim, sure, Jerusalem, fine. It doesn't really matter because what God really desires is not worship from this particular building, but worship in spirit and truth, which means worship from our hearts for who God truly is. And who God truly is is not someone who can be contained to a building. Who God truly is. This is something that Jesus reveals to us. Who God truly is. He is not someone who wants to dwell in buildings. 
but wants to dwell in people, in you and me. And Jesus has made that possible. Jesus has made it possible for the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Jesus is the temple's crumbling because he makes the temples obsolete. Because he is a better temple. He is the true dwelling place of God. And he now makes it possible for God to dwell in us. He's also the temple's crumbling because he breaks down all of our false man-made ideas about who God is. All our man-made religion, he tears down. I mean, you could see, if you read the Gospels, that's a consistent theme throughout them, right? That Jesus is always confronting the religious establishment of the time about the ways that they have constructed God falsely, right? He tears down these things, not to turn us into atheists, but to show us who God truly is. And he is also the whole earth rumbling. Remember, Uh, In both the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection, there are references to earthquakes happening, the whole earth shaking when these things took place. And when the whole earth shakes at the crucifixion, one of the effects of that is the temple being damaged, right? The curtain in the temple being torn. You are the temples crumbling, the whole earth rumbling. And what this all reveals is that we're not alone. God is with us. He is not far from us. He is not just in some building on the other side of the world. He is not far from any one of us. He is so with us that he chose to become human and to suffer and to die. That is how with us he is. He is with us in our suffering and even in death. Now what about that last verse? Can even uh, the last verse uh, be included in this Jesus interpretation I'm going with? Well, I think it can. Like the hands that first drew fire from the darkness, or the eyes that first perceived tomorrow's promise, or the lips that first called songs out from the ruins, I'm the one who's standing here for every human. I found you. I hear this verse differently from the rest of the song. I don't hear this one as Sam speaking to God or or us speaking to God. I hear it as God speaking to us. It flips it. And I hear God here recalling points throughout history where he's been at work behind the scenes doing exactly what Acts 17 describes, right? Guiding humanity so that we might reach out and find him the discovery of fire, the development of music and culture, the persistence of hope in human beings even after things have fallen apart, the ruins have have come. And, And then he gives the greatest example of God guiding history, the incarnation. I'm the one who's standing here for every human. The logos, the ultimate intelligence, becoming flesh in the person of Jesus. He's standing for every human. God took on flesh in order to represent humanity. And as our, our representative, he gave us victory 
over the things that we could not secure victory over. Sin, death, and the devil. Team humanity had a terrible record against those things. Sin, death, and the devil. A hundred percent record of defeat. But then God, through Jesus, joins the team of humanity and leads our team to victory. He is the one standing for every human, and so he says, I found you. I found you. The only reason that we can find God is because he has sought us. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. He said that the kingdom of God is like a shepherd looking for his lost sheep, or like a woman tearing apart her house to look for one lost coin. God seeks us. Listen to the way that uh, Jesus puts it in the Gospel of Luke. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus wants us to realize that God seeks sinners. If you're a sinner, he's looking for you. He seeks the lost, even those whom the world would just choose to forget, the ones that the judges have judged as insufficient. He seeks us, and he rejoices whenever we are found. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you haven't found God yet. Maybe you doubt that God is there at all. Much less that God is seeking you. If that's you, I encourage you to remember those words from Acts, those words that Paul said. God did this so that we might seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Although it might feel strange to you, choose to reach out to God. And what does that mean? Pray. Talk to him. Tell the great shepherd, I am a lost sheep, and I want you to pick me up on your shoulders and take me home. If you're there, would you please do that? Now, I realize that if you're a certain kind of person, you might have a hard time doing that because your mind can fall, find all kinds of reasons to doubt God. The logical, analytical part of your brain can find reasons to doubt that God is really there. I get it. I understand that. But this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this series and why I love art and music. Because art and music has this power to speak to a part of us where we bypass that logical, analytical part of our brains. And it speaks to what we know intuitively. So this morning, let God speak to your heart. Let God speak to you through this song. Let God speak to you through that parable. God does care about our minds. I mean, he gave us our minds. He wants us to use them. 
but he wants to meet us spirit to spirit. That's where we really commune with God. You know, he doesn't want only people with exceptional intelligence to be able to find him, to figure him out. He only asks that we have the humility to recognize our need and reach out. That's it. So let yourself find and be found. Amen? Lord, um, we thank you that you, you have sought us, even to the point of taking on flesh and suffering and dying. Lord, help us to recognize that you are with us, that you are not far from any one of us, that all we need to do is reach out and you are there. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who has never done that before or uh, it just feels so, so far from you this morning, I pray that they would take that step to reach out and I pray that they would find. And Lord, for those of us who have found you, I pray that this, this song would encourage us this morning with the hope that one day we will see you face to face, that the knowledge that we currently have of you will be brought to fulfillment and we will see you in all your glory and the deepest desires of our hearts will finally be satisfied. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.